good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world today. Welcome to Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. Oh, what a day, what a day, what a weekend. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I am actually in Altadena today. Um, I had my doctor's appointment over at the City of Hope, and my aunt lives in Altadena. And I came to visit her because family is important and she just had surgery on Thursday so she's home and I said you know what I'm going to be out that way so I decided to bring my stuff with me and and record from here so the backdrop is my little cousin she's 13 um her room and it's got this whole futuristic retro slash futuristic thing it's really kind of cool um so I was like yeah let me use your room as my backdrop so we got the the moon and the stars <laughs> as I lean over blinking um, for those who can see. Um, so let's see. Oh, wow. This is just a couple of um, <laughs> headlines. Yesterday, I spent about three or four hours representing the D9, the Divine Nine, along with the NAACP statewide. There was a... Um, voter rally, um, what do we call it? A, um, I want to make sure I have the right name. It was, oh, here we go. It was, oh, here we go. It was the California Hawaiian statewide virtual rally and ballot party. Get out the vote. Um, and that was yesterday from four to about seven thirty, eight o'clock. And I was one of the co-hosts of that event, um, in collaboration with the NAACP and the Divine Nine, which is the historically founded African-American slash Black um, fraternities and sororities, uh, Greek letters fraternities and sororities. And so my piece in that, um, we had different representatives from the NAACP, uh, different presidents or representatives from different chapters say a few words here and there. We had the DJ music going. It was off the hook. Oh, I needed that love. And in between, I would interview or have a you know series of questions, and I did three segments, um, which was three three each of the uh, fraternities and sororities, and it was very good. Um, Maxine Waters was also on the Zoom, and we just really talked about it. It's supposed to be nonpartisan. Some people use their own personal judgment. I never said who I was voting for or against. Um, you know, you try not to do that when you have that bigger that venue like that because you're not supposed to quote sway folks unless it's a campaign rally I guess um but Maxine Waters was very clear on her stance and so were a couple of other folks um so for those who don't know we have a big recall election um on tomorrow Tuesday September 14th in which um the state of California will either vote no to not recall our current governor or yes to recall him and then there's like 5000 people <laughs> Five, right michelle please chime in if you feel the need um uh 5000 people on the ballot i've never seen so many folks on a ballot it's like first one is like yes no right and then it's like and then choose who you want to replace them and it's like two sides of the ballot um, I, how many was it? 40, 50? How many people are on there? Do you remember? Uh, four, there was 46. 
ridiculous. And it, and it's so funny because when you have these types of election, these people come out of the woodworks. So it'd be different if it was somebody who was a council person or somebody who worked with, you know, Mayor Tom Bradley or whatever, you know, something where you can recognize a name. And there's a one or two names that um, that are recognizable, which I'm sure on the Wednesday show, <laughs> my co-host uh, Colette will um sure well we'll know who would have won by then and i'm sure that colette will have a few choice words at the beginning of the wednesday show <laughs> depending on how this goes so we'll we'll hold off on those uh you, you know what i'm talking about kenny right you know how you know how she is right <laughs> uh so, I, I will plead the fifth on that <laughs> <laughs> so i already know so if if, if something ain't right colette is going to have a complete fit and birth a cow come Tuesdays, anytime on your y'all Tuesday show. And then of course the, the opening of the Wednesday show in the mix conversations with Corliss and I mean Colette and Corliss. So right now, what does that mean? Let's see. The blue means keep him. Yes. Yeah, so it started out people wanted to keep him uh here up by 10%, 10.8%. And then right in here around the August time frame, it got kind of even. Things were kind of shaky right there. Mm-hmm. And now since the end of August into September, it's gone back up to, oh, it's even uh, more than it was earlier today. So uh, 41% remove, 57% keep. Now, I wonder, does it have anything to do with the, uh, what's his name, Larry? Larry, Larry Elder. Elder. Larry Elder, Larry yeah. Elder, yeah. who came out the blue. It would be different if he was talking politics all this time. Well, actually, he has blue. been. He's a, he's a, oh, really? I guess a right-wing Larry talk show host. And ah, he, he is okay, the one that said slave owners should get reparations. reparations. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. the piece. So first he starts with that mess. The slave owners reserve deserve reparations. And then I read something else about Trayvon Martin's murderer could live in his neighborhood or something. Did you see something about that? Look that up, Kenny. I know you good. Okay, I'll look it up. But it was something somebody texted me and I was in the I was at my doctor's appointment and I was like, oh I gotta read this later. Something about Trayvon Martin's murderer could live in his neighborhood or should live in his neighborhood. Something really just like, really, dude? I mean, <laughs> I hate to sound like my college students. Really, dude? But really, dude? So I, you know, <laughs> Ooh, if it ain't one thing, it's another. So between trying to make sure we have our mask on. Oh, and then there was another little thing about something happened with um, some sexual assault, something or another. Did you hear that? Um, Michelle? Oh, here we go. Larry Elder defended the murder of Trayvon Martin and said he would capitalize want Trayvon's, Trayvon's murderer living in his own neighborhood. In an interview um, unearthed by, and it, I guess it's just the rest of the piece of it. So he, he said something that he would actually, you know, would want him to live in the neighborhood. And I thought, oh, okay, that's smart for you to say something like that mm, the day before the election. And you wonder why the it went back up to say, let's just keep what we have, you know? So um, he's a clown. My, he's yeah. simply a clown. Look at him. He's a oh clown. He looks like a clown. He oh, is Pat, a clown. Pat must have texted you and told you to come back, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was like, because I didn't see your face. I didn't see your face. So I was waiting. I was like, we're going to wait for Colette on Wednesday because she's going to go off regardless. So you, so hold those thoughts to. Yeah. Well, I'm, going to turn, I'm going to turn my ballot in after this show. Yeah, Please. I'm going. I'm walking yeah. mine in tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm an Altadena. I'm going right over here to Jackie Robinson Center. <laughs> 
turning my ballot in because Larry Elder is a clown. And okay, so are and, the other 46 on that ballot. Okay, and there it is. You heard it live. Like I told you, I, like I said, Pat must have texted you and told you to come back because I thought I saw you uh-huh, No, I already knew. I was going to say something anyway. Right. Okay. I just didn't see your face on this, but you know, your name on the screen. So I said by Wednesday, regardless of whatever the outcome, I said, y'all stay tuned because Colette's going to put it in. She's going to, she's going to birth a cow and she's yeah. going to put it down. So the first 10 minutes come back on Wednesday or better yet tomorrow in on their show. Yeah. I'm sure while the polls are going, she's going to have a few choice words as she has already. And Carly, just you. one more thing. Uh, yes. Gavin Newsom has to get 51% of the vote to stay in. Gotcha. But nobody else does. So ah. in theory, since there are another 45 people running, theoretically. Win with three votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I did the numbers right around 3%. Somebody could win with, okay, with so about 3%. Right that is that, that is mean, crazy. I understand it, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's why you need ranked choice voting. So, but that's okay, another so whole that's thing. So that's why I was on I was on the Zoom four hours yesterday saying, look, y'all, just, re- just go vote. Yeah, it is right. It is our privilege, our forefathers and foremothers and four grandmamas and aunties and all them. We are standing on their shoulders. Please go vote. Do the right thing. Um, I will I will put my personal opinion and we're going to go on to the topic of today's show because um, I always try to do this within 10 minutes. All I have to say is this. That man made sure California is the most strictest state. Number one. Number two. We don't play in California and everybody follows us after it's too late and after they've all half their population have died off. Now all of a sudden, let's wear a mask in Idaho, you know, wherever. But my my thought is this, and this is my personal thought. That man got on the news every day at one o'clock, messing up my court shows, but at one o'clock, and he was like, This is what's going on, this is how many people have died, this is what we need to do. We're in the blue tier, this time we're on the red tier, we're going back to the blue, or we're on the polka dot tier. He had us on point and i know it's because we are the most uh, populated one of the most popular well either top one top two most populated state in the union but he had us together um if you remember ramona professor ramona bell we had her on the in the mix show she's in she was in tennessee and had her mask on and walked into the store everybody looked at her like she was a fool because they don't, they don't even know that there is a pandemic in in, in nashville she's in now she's in sumter carolina folks are like why you got on a mask and buffets are open. I I was like, wow, really y'all. Okay. And so if you remember, we had a lot of deaths at the beginning. Now these other States that just thought that they could just party, you know, all through, like we are not having a pandemic. We going to (laughs) party. Right. And now they're all feeling it. So um, Gavin Newsom to me, um, you know, he's human. So he went out to dinner with his homies at a $5,000 star restaurant. So what? So what homegirl went and got her hair done? Who was that? Um, Pahoski? What's her Pelosi. name? Pelosi. She went and got her hair done. Okay, fine. We, we never said nobody was perfect. Hell, pastors are not even perfect. But other than that, the man had us on point. He, he walked us through that pandemic as crazy and as rough it was. He didn't have any training on a pandemic he wasn't even alive when it, whenever we had blue plague or whatever was out prior to this the man did an excellent job and those who are hating are not really hating it's really the republics trying to take care of this take over this blue state because they know if they can get this blue state we are asked out quote unquote so that's it on that we're gonna move on because we got a a deep topic today um wow so yeah so y'all stay tuned y'all what time is your show is it four to seven or five to seven 
So if y'all stu- y'all tune back in at Intentional Talk Radio, itrnradio.com at 5 p.m. Pacific time so that y'all can hear Colette lay into the situation because she's going to tell it like a T-I is for real. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be an interesting show. So you I know I, what they I, say, for real though. For real, for real though. For real though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so y'all, y'all might have to have that in the background. I can't remember if I'm in exercising or something. I might have to turn it, I might have to turn the music off just to hear what you got to say. Cause <laughs> we're gonna bring we're gonna bring it for real. Yeah, though. He, y'all bring for it. Real. So stay tuned tomorrow, five to seven, intentional talk radio, itrnradio.com. So y'all can hear uh, Sister Colette lay it out. So today we're gonna we're gonna bring it back down, bring it back solemn. Let's all take a breath. Ooh, I've got my girl Michelle Gutman. Y'all remember her? Um, am I black enough? And some other things. That, that was <laughs> Am I black? Am I black? Am I white? Am I am I polka dot? Um, you know, my girl Michelle. We go way back. Thirty seven. <laughs> Scary. Thirty seven years. Wow. Can't believe thirty seven years ago I was seven. I know. That is not even cute. I just want you to know how cute that that does not sound cute. I was 17, 37 years ago, and I met my girl who was 18, so she's older. Ha ha. Um, she was a sophomore. I was a freshman, incoming freshman at UC Riverside, University of California, Riverside. Give it up for my girl, Michelle. I call her Michelle. Her other nickname is Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> but yeah, so she's always there for me. I'd be like, oh, Michelle. You know, I need I need you to come on today. My my person uh, canceled due to an emergency. Um, an aunt went into the hospital. You know, long story. But my girl was like, I'm like, look, girl, I need you to come on. Don't we need to talk to something that we both know? And one of the things we both know, as well as you all know, is about grief. Um, so if you didn't see the promo, this um, today's topic is an open conversation about how losing someone or something opens up windows of reflection, shining a light to what's what's important and purposeful. So the topic that that's kind of the tagline or the promo advertisement per se line. And, but the topic is what I learned about myself in the midst of grief. And it is something else. Um, you know, if there has got to be, um, every, everybody on this, on this planet at this point, know someone who has died at least from COVID at the very minimum, let alone just, I hate to call it regular death, but how do you, (laughs) I mean, it's sad to even say it that way because, you know, you've got the COVID situation and then you've got regular death, strokes and things of that nature. And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, how rough my, the 30 days um, between July 28th and August 30th, having known five people who died. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's to a point, and I don't know, Michelle, you can agree with me sometimes when you hear something, you can't even produce tears. You just kind of have this look like, and you just like, you, you, you feel like you're just, your tears are just, it's like, you can't even, you're hurting, but you can't even cry. Like that is the, like the weirdest feeling in the world when, when you are dealing with, um, hearing about someone dying because all it does is that it reminds you of either the last person that passed or someone special close to you that has passed be it yesterday last year 10 years ago or in some cases 20 or 30 years people have lost their parents 20 30 years ago and it's something 
a flower, a, a butterfly, something will just trigger. And, and so again, I will say this, I haven't said this in a while. The whole reason why I created Mindful Mondays is because we're not talking enough about mental health. We're not talking enough about our feelings and our emotions. And because I was feeling very emotional and, and just about just this whole last year and a half um, with COVID, and, but mostly, of course, with the death of my dad on March 1st of 2020, which was not COVID related. He was going through the whole dementia piece and um, Parkinson variant. Um, but I just was like, I know that when I'm with my students and I tell them, when I tell them that they should get help and go to the counseling center, you know, when they're dealing with something. And when I tell them, I said, I have a therapist. And they, all of a sudden they're looking at me like, but you're cordless. You don't need, oh no, honey. How do you think cordless can, can, can communicate? How do you think cordless can survive? I've had a, I've had a therapist. Um, for example, I, I moved up to Humboldt in July of 2016. I started seeing a therapist on April 15th, 2017. Why do I know the date? I had already made the appointment, but I woke, I was awakened that morning at 4 a.m. with the death of one of my students, the stabbing murder of one of my students at HSU. So when I got to the therapist, I said, yeah, I know I came in. I told you I wanted to talk about A, B, but you know what? C, I'm going to need you to help me with C. And C is, did you hear on the news about this? I said, yeah, that was my student. He's from the LA area. And now I need you to help me cope and help me with whatever skills I need to work with my students. Um, because those who know me know I take my job very seriously. My students are my babies because I don't have kids myself. And I knew that I, I needed her assistance to help me work through, because it's never going to go away, to help me work through so that I'm able to help students work through and get them to some counseling. So I've had a therapist uh, in this recent go round of therapy since April of uh, April of 2017. And so when I tell a student that they're like, you do? I said, yes, honey, people, you know, you have all these preconceived notions about, oh, if you have a therapist, you're crazy. You know, oh, you, you know, you need to go get a white, what you call it, jacket and straight jacket. I said, but what is really exciting now is that mental health is becoming a hot topic. topic. Yes. And can I, um, yeah, I just want to, when, because I want to, the thing about grief, because I had said this before on the previous show about grief is when you have this loss of, it could be something, it could be, it could be a pet. It could be a loss of a job or loss of relationship, but it's something where it creates this hole. And the grief part is really, that the hole hasn't been filled yet, right? Because emotions are nothing but energy, right? And so when that energy for whatever it is, is gone, mm -hmm. it's got to be shifted somewhere else. And I think that the whole process, right? The, I don't know, how many stages do they say is grief? Seven, I got it right. right okay. Is, is where it's, you're just trying to figure out where that energy is going to wind up, right? right? And, but when I, when, after we said, okay, we'll talk about this today, I was thinking, you know, it could be, um, you could be grieving uh, a loss of something that you had or, uh, or a loss of something that you could have had, right? right? Um, and I think for me, that's a lot of that came out through COVID. And so when you were talking about, you know, having this action, 
every time you hear about somebody passing, right? Because I think the same thing. I think it's because we go through this stuff and you think, okay, I'm good. The hole is sealed. The end where else and then all of a sudden something comes and reminds you of that and boom it rips that hole open again right and I always say like remember last time I said it's one of those clubs where the members are wonderful, they're compassionate they're there for you and it's a club you never want to be a member of right because it's so it's so painful right. and that's why I thought when you when you said okay let's talk about you know revelation I thought yeah because it is a very painful process and you're right. I don't think you ever get over it. I think it does in some way become easier for that reason because the energy does get channeled somewhere else. But at the end of the day, I, I started thinking about this last night. There's so many things that came out of everything that I thought was grief. Mm -hmm. Like example, let me, let me start sharing. I'll share it like with my mother Um, cause I don't even know if you know the whole full story, but I'll condense it really is that we don't know why my mother passed away. It's a, it's a really long story, but till this day, we don't know why she passed away. And, but my mother, when, uh, I was a teenager, she was really sick. And at that time they didn't know what was wrong with her. And then eventually she got diagnosed with something called Graves disease, which is an autoimmune disease, something like, um, Wendy Williams has right now, right? And it has to do, it's the situation where it's really your immune system that attacks your thyroid. And she had her, her thyroid that back then they used to destroy it. But anyway, after she passed away, when I went through my whole process, you know, I went through the anger, denial and all that other stuff. I was having this conversation with my, my twin. And if you know anything about autoimmune disease, but long story short, that her body shortly before she passed away, like a month or two, she was having reactions again. And, um, and from that, and then not knowing why she passed away, it really sparked, I wanted answers to some of the stuff, some questions. Anyway, that's actually part of the reason that I went, I was starting health coaching at the time. And I went into the whole area I told you about where it was digestive and immunity was because I wanted answers to some of the things that she went through. And because now I understand the relationship of the thyroid to the body. And I wanted to make sure that other women didn't have, didn't have to go through that and that right. they knew their resources and that they knew their options. And so here comes COVID. And again, it was like, I got into this really good space about my mother's death. And again, just like you said, COVID ripped everything open like this raw it was like this raw hole and I'm still going through the process of trying to fill it again and new things are coming out of that see and the thing is what I want everybody to understand is it's not going to go away and so stop punishing yourself and stop pushing yourself for it to go away because that's going to make it worse and so that's why when I tell students it's like it is okay yes I have a therapist I have someone to talk to the therapist if they're a really good therapist They ask you, like, what would you do to do this? And you actually begin to talk through things that will help yourself. I pulled up before um, on the website here. It's called recoverfromgrief.com. Anyway, seven stages of grief, going through the process and back to life. And just this little small couple lines. When you lose someone you love, it's hard to imagine life without them. Every loss comes with pain and adjustments we need to make. 
We are, you are not alone and knowing the seven stages might help you see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm just gonna briefly go through the stages and there's no order. You do this first, do that first, do that. And, and so the whole purpose of this show is to let you know it is okay. It is okay to feel what you feel. You are gonna feel what you feel when you feel it, how you feel it, and it's your feelings. And don't let anyone try to tell you that bull about, oh, it'll go away, it'll get better. Okay, leave me alone, first of all, you naysayers, okay? Because it doesn't help when you try to tell us those things. Oh, everything's gonna be all right. Okay, we know that down inside, but I don't need you to tell me that, you know? Or what's you, the course, my, 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 They're in a better place. My yeah. sister and now, I used to say, and, and, and please, I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody because we've done it to other people. I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a very awkward, what, you know, it's an obvious when we're talking about death specifically, right? right. Make sure there's other forms of grief. But um, my sister and I used to say, we were going to write this book, the 10 stupidest things you could tell people when somebody dies. Right. right? And, and because again, you know that they mean well, but right. it's just like, well, for me, it was they're in a much better place. Cause I told you before, we used to say, no, no, no. My mother wanted to be here with her children. So stop telling me that. And <laughs> you know what, when you think, when you say that the best thing that I finally learned, I don't know if it was on class or whatever was not to say anything at all, just to be in that person's presence and, and hold them, let them or, talk or, to at, or ask them, right. Can what, I, what is, is it that you need for me right now? What yeah. do you need for me right now? Right. But I think that that silence is the best because yes. then, then that that other person will either open up some things or just giving them a hug. But you know, you know, oh, they're in a better place, and oh, you know, they're not in pain anymore. We know that, okay. Now, I'm not trying to badger anybody because we've all done it. Yeah, okay? I've done it before unintentionally or whatever. So let me just run through just so that you know what the stages are, especially if you're going through this right now and knowing that. Whatever it is you're going through, it is okay. And you will go through it in your time frame. Each each grief, each stage has doesn't really have a time frame. It doesn't say, okay, from five to seven weeks, you're gonna do this, and then you're gonna switch over to this. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, so let me just go over briefly um, from this article. Um, number one, shock and denial. Wow, that's always a big one because when you first hear about it, you're like, no, no. And you're trying to just, you know, make your mind, pull it together from that. And and it's just, so what it says here, just briefly, you will probably react to learning of the loss with numbered disbelief. You may deny the reality of the loss at some level in order to avoid the pain. The shock provides emotional protection from being overwhelmed all at once. So again, um, it's longer than that, but I just wanted to kind of give everybody just a snippet so that people can say, okay, I, I, can, I, I can relate to that. Number two, pain and guilt. As the shock wears off, it is replaced with suffering of unbelievable pain. Oh boy. Although excruciating and most unbearable, it is important you experience the pain fully and not and not, um, okay, my mom's calling, and not, I'm sorry, uh, painfully, where was it? Oh, and not hide it, avoid it or escape from it with alcohol or drugs. So a lot of people, um, and I'm going to add food, <laughs> emotional eating. Oh my God, I was, oh, you know, COVID weight and emotional weight came together as a people in my body. And I was, I mean, just ridiculous. Cra and then the cravings wasn't even candy, it was carbs. I, I was on this, 
bagel fix. Because, you know, you go to Costco and you buy that huge tub of cream cheese. So you, you got to have, you know, bagels, the bagels to go with it. Uh, of course. You know, so it took me however long it took me to finish that thing. I kept buying bagels. But moving on. Number three, anger and bargaining. Oh, boy. Frustration gives way to anger. And you may lash out and lay unwanted blame for someone for death on someone else. Please try to control this as you might permanently damage some of the relationships as a result. This is not a time for the release of bottled up emotions. You may rail against fate, questioning why me. You may also try to bargain in vain with the powers that be for a way out. I never I'll never drink again if you bring them back. I mean, you know, that's that that's that piece. Number 4, depression, reflection, loneliness. Join just <clears throat> just when your friends may think you should be getting on with your life, a long period of sad reflection will likely take over you. This is a normal stage of griefs, uh, so do not be talked out of it. Okay, well-meaning by well-meaning outsiders. That's that piece that we were just talking about. Isn't a better place? Da da da. Encouragement from others it is not helpful to you during this stage. So that piece that, oh, she's in a better place. And so that's what you were talking about, that, that you were just ready to strangle the next yep. person who said that. Number five, the upward turn. As you start to adjust to life without your dear one, your life becomes a little calmer and more organized. Your physical symptoms lessen and your depression begins to lift slightly. Okay, so that's that piece where you're like, you know, you're kind of coming together with it. You're, you're, you're you know, you're, you're dealing with it a little bit better. But again, number six, reconstruction and working through. I love how this article, the way they, they didn't just have the ones that you normally see. It's kind of a, uh, I just love how they summarize each of them. As you begin more function, as you become more functional, your mind starts working again and you will find yourself seeking realistic solutions to problems posed by life without your loved one. You will start to work on practical and financial problems and reconstructing yourself and your life with or without him or her. And then lastly, acceptance and hope. During this last of the seven stages in the grief model, you will learn to accept and deal with the reality of your situation. Acceptance does not necessarily mean happiness. So so my point in wanting to do this, and I'm so glad that, that Michelle, you, when we were talking about topics, that because so many people are going through, through a lot of this right now, and they need to know it's okay. It is okay to feel what you feel because those are your, your feelings. feelings. Absolutely. Michelle, not anybody else's. Um, and like you said, the only thing is to help that you don't want, you know, you're sad when you're a part of that club, when you've lost a parent, you know, that's the club you don't want to be a part of. Um, but unfortunately we know, you know, with life, um, things do happen. Um, so just candidly, Michelle, did you, did you seek any therapy during the deaths of your parents at all? Oh my gosh. I, for both of them, I did. I absolutely did. Um, I think, I know more now than I obviously than I did. I think the whole point is remember where I said, when it comes to emotions about processing it, right. Identify it and then give yourself permission to process it. I think with both of my parents, I was in a stage in my life where I didn't understand what that meant. And I know that when people say things that they mean, well, it's so that you don't get stuck in one of those emotions, right. The anger, the, 
um, all, you know, that you don't get stuck there because that's, that's when it's, it's not beneficial to anybody specifically you, but, um, yeah, I, for my dad, it was different because he was like your dad, where it was a very long drawn out process and we knew he was going to pass away. And the whole, I remember the bargaining thing, um, cause the state, the stage of bargaining with was because he was in so much pain. And then I kept saying, you know, let him, let him go place back then and then after he passed away I remember getting angry and asking God to so, say no 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 like I was wrong I was wrong okay I take it back if I do this will you let him wake up right, right. like that's really going to happen um but for my for with my mother it was because like I said her it was unexpected we didn't know the cause of her death till this day we don't and then there was just so many you know, when I say talk about the hole and the hole is deep and you need to, you have to fill it. I think that's why you know this, that the firsts are always so painful. The first birthday, the first holiday, the first this, the first that, because the hole is still open. Right? right. And, and then, you know, you lost your dad out when you lose your, like now you don't have either parent. And so you have to, you, you know, and, and they say you, now you need new normals. Now mm-hmm. you need new traditions. But when, in our case, you have a big family, everybody has their own idea of what that's supposed to be, right? So that starts off a whole other chain of events. So it's really, it's just, I've, I've, I've learned a lot about myself in the process. Um, I've learned how much I value traditional things. Um, I remember when my mom passed away, it was another reason there were a lot of things and she and I have completely different taste. I kept a lot of her things from her home because I thought that's how you keep that person close to you. And it was just girl, it was just this two in April that I finally looked at that stuff. And I went, I don't need to keep these physical things to be reminded of you because now I found other ways to fill that hole. There's other things that I, but I've learned how much of a part of them is a part of me and that I really value tradition. And that I, like you were saying earlier, how much you value family, right? That I think that to me is what COVID has taught me is how like you hold on to what's most valuable to you, but kind of even going past the whole grief of loss of people. I thought even what we're going through with COVID it's we're seeing that play out right now. You got people in different demographics that are angry and pissed off because they are losing something and they're grieving over it mm-hmm. hard. Right. And they're, and they're taking out in this form of anger and hate. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it, it still ties back again to the mental health piece. Yes. Yeah. Because um, we had um, I saw Sora Dorsey talked about the seven ways to the seven ways to cope during a pandemic, and one of the things was say no. Just you know, you have to tell people no. I can't. Well, you can. Okay, I'm gonna say this one more time, and then I'm gonna walk out that door right there, and you're gonna leave me the hell alone. You like you sometimes have to let you have to give that look, you know, <laughs> that mama look, like you know, that just says let people know. Okay, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, and one of the things was that the tech- did you, did you learn that during the pandemic or did you, or did you do that before the pandemic? 
Is that a new boundary you set for yourself? No peace because I was a workaholic. I learned prior the learn how to say no and let people know that you mean business was after I was diagnosed with my cancer and, and the medicines that I have to take in the sense of once a week, I take a steroid on Fridays that works with the, uh, cause I'm still a chemo patient. I, I take an oral chemo pill daily or 21, like birth control, 21 days off a week. But every Friday I take a steroid and that steroid works with that pill to keep my numbers down. The problem or the problem is on Fridays, I'm bouncing off the ceiling. <laughs> I'm high like, Wee! I'm like crazy, crazy, crazy. And then Saturday it's like going on the roller coaster and then you come down. And so all of a sudden I'm like, oh God. And so I'm really tired. So people will invite me to something and I know I'm like, well, no, I'm not gonna be able to, well, how come? And I'm like, okay, you know what? You're not listening. When I say I'm tired and when I can feel that, uh, that first drop, I know I got about an hour and a half to get home because I won't be able to drive. That's just how tired it becomes. Now, have I learned to figure it out over the last, wow, it's been a minute, 2008 or 2009 when I started on that. Um, so 12, 13 years, 12 wow. years, 13 years that is, you know, now I know if I have to speak on a Saturday, I take the medicine on the Thursday. So I've learned how to cope and uh, make it work for me. But, you know, when I tell people, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I can't stay, I've got to leave. And they're like, well, you just got here. Yes, but I'm tired and you don't understand. And so, you know, that's when you find out who your real friends are, just like in anything else. But that piece of being able to be very direct um, has happened probably before COVID. And then I think what has happened is COVID has shut down so many folks. You know, the person like me, the workaholic that now has slowed all the way. Way down. I'm working like this. And so when something comes up, I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. And then they say, well, how come? I said, well, I, I can't. Um, I, I will be tired on Saturday at that time. And then how you know you're going to be tired? And this is a Wednesday. How you know you'll be tired at five? Because that's normally when the steroid begins to wear off. So I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it. And so, you know, those who understand will understand. But, but knowing yourself and be able to say exactly what's going on with you, like, nope, I can't because of this. And thank you. That is why I respect this Simone Biles so much. Yes. I have never seen her mess up ever. And she did something at the trial or something where she flipped and she didn't land right. And everybody was like, <gasps> you know, and I was like, oh my, like I have never, when I say never seen her messed up. And so whatever she was going through, it was starting then. And then once she got to Olympics, she's like, oh, I'm not going to break my neck over this bull because y'all want to see me do this. And I know I'm not feeling well. So guess what? Time out, holding, 10 yard penalty, get up off me. And, and, you know, and then you got those white ringers and stuff. Oh, she didn't hear this and that and other. I'm like, until, quote unquote, my thought, until your ass can balance on even the, the, the thing that she's walking across, let alone flipping three, four times and landing on, before you can do all that, do all that first and then tell me how it works for you. And, and, so, I, and my thing ahead. about that too is this girl does all kinds of contortions with her body to be the best Olympus she could be. Absolutely. And so in order to do that, you have to be in a really specific mindset Absolutely. and you have to give someone credit to say, if I'm not in that mindset, like you said, I could physically hurt myself horribly. Well, I, I would tell her yes. So I know what's best for me not to do and that. And that's the piece. 
know what's best for you. This is not on the seven pages. This is just a, you know, know what's best for you. Do what's best for you because nobody else is going to be able to know what you are going through or know what's best for you than you. And if people don't understand, they're not really your friends. They're not really there for you. And so, you know, you may lose a couple folks, but you know what? Thank you. Bye-bye. You know how the stewardess says when you leave the airplane? Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. Because it, it people, it's really, this has, if, if COVID hasn't showed us anything, it's to how to start thinking about yourself. And this is not selfishness. Mm-mm. This is about taking care of you because nobody else will be able to take care of you but you, when it all comes down to it. And so when you think about, um, when you think about, um, these things, it's like, we have to be in tune with ourselves and our bodies and our feelings. And so somebody out there is listening right now and they're shocked. Oh my God, I didn't know Corliss was in therapy. Yeah. So, and yeah, I don't have a problem because I don't don't have a problem letting people know because some people were like, well, she's doing it then maybe I will do it because I just thought Corliss was just, you know, some people invincible, you know, it's like, really? I mean, I, (laughs) I remember when I was diagnosed in 2008 and I was in the hospital uh, when they first told me I have multiple myeloma and I had to go back because I had a pain in my back. And I guess it was a spot on my back that they had to do like deliberate, uh, a week of deliberate radiation. I went there like every day for five days took me two hours to get to Hollywood but the the actual (laughs) procedure was 30 seconds you know the theme of Jeopardy at the end because I sang it one time and they were like okay thanks and I was like for real y'all it took me two hours here and y'all gave me 30 seconds of whatever so anyway one of my students um former students Andre (laughs) um he was supposed to come see me so like three about a month later I was like wait a minute Dre lives around the corner he never came to see me and this is when I knew that you know, you know, you're loved and you know, you give love, but you never really know how much people care about you until something happens or whatever. And so I called him. I was like, Trey, why you didn't come see me? And he got really quiet. I was like, boy, why are you supposed to come see me? And he got really quiet, Michelle. And all of a sudden this grown man starts weeping. I mean, he was like, <gasps> I was like, oh my God, what happened? I'm thinking something just happened. He saw on TVs, mom, what? And he was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, Oh, I'm just kidding. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I'm, it's okay. I know you couldn't see me. It's okay. No, you just don't understand because I, I, I knew I should have come see you, but I didn't know what to do or say once I got there. And you've always been there for me. And I didn't know how to be there for you. And I thought, wow. Like, I never heard that before. And I was like, what? He was like, you've just, you've been there. You've been my rock. You've been other people's rock. And you're always with a smile. You're always with a hug. You always have an encouraging word. And now I couldn't bring myself to come to the hospital because I didn't know anything to tell to you. What what would I say to you? What encouraging words would I have for you? And I just thought that is the most craziest, enduring endearing you know how does one you know what I mean when I say that what does that mean when you what do you hear when you say that when I tell you that what is that for like if you like I told you what does that what does that tell you if that makes sense it does make sense I understand I understand his his feelings because You don't, you don't know what, you don't know what to say. You don't know the right thing to say. 
and again, it goes back to you are, somebody's life just shifted right for you. Cause I, it goes back to what I was saying early girls. Did you ever think when they told you, cause then it's like, you just lost a part of your life that once was right from that point that you were diagnosed with cancer, your life changed forever. You're not the, mm-hmm. you're not the Corliss who you don't have the same life that you had pre-cancer. Everything mm-hmm. changed. And so I think sometimes people do, people get lost in it. It shifted. What do I say? What do I do? How do I make that person feel? And I think your message is sometimes it's like you said, sometimes you just show up and you be silent and you just listen. I think that's it. You just listen and you have to give the person who's going through it the opportunity to go, to go through whatever process or whatever emotion that they're feeling. And just be there and just support that. But I do, I under, it's, it's, um, I think it's a good thing that he shared that with you. Yeah. I mean, I I was just like, you know, it just, it just, I, I, I just, all I could do was sit there and I was like, oh my God, I, you know, it just, <laughs> It was just really, it was just, a. have never, it was just, just a deep comment. And I just thought, you know, like you, I just would have been like, well, that's okay. You just could have, you know, just, you know, again, I, I can't remember what I said to him at that point, but it goes back to what you just said. Sometimes, and, I, and somebody out here is listening to this and knows exactly, you know, where they are in the situation and what they can do to help someone else in their situation. Just show up show up on a phone call. Hey, honey, just call in and say, hi, how you doing? And then just sit there. Don't try to offer the, you know, the poetry emotion that you think we, we want to hear. Just say, how you doing? And then just sit. Yep. And then that person will either sit for a moment and they'll say, oh, you st- did I lose you? Nope. I'm right here, honey. I'm right here for you, whatever you need. And just sit. And just knowing that you're on the phone or just knowing that you're sitting right there on the couch with me and being present is such is so much better than you trying to make up something that you think we want to hear, right? It was, I have this, uh, I think you met her once, my friend, Princella. She, um, when I would have my outbursts, um, she would, she, I, and I trained her, I think, she would always come to me and she'd say, okay, so is this a moment? Do you need me to just listen moment? Do you need me to pray moment? Or is this a, you want me to give you introspective moment? And I, I would tell her because it was never the same. Sometimes it was just, nope, I just need you to let me cry. Sometimes it was like, nope, I need you to pray. Sometimes it was, nope, I need you to pull me out of this because I'm going down the really big deep hole and I don't know if I'm come out. Right. For the next three days type thing. You know, it, 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 it was never the same. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it is something about being present, you know, and some people like to be by themselves and that's fine, but sometimes you may want that smile. You may want that person's voice on the phone, even though you don't think you want it or being, go outside and smell the, smell the roses or the smog, whatever, but 
sometimes being around another person who either understands or just being around another person will maybe take your mind off it just enough so you can say, wow, why was I closing myself up so long? Mm. That's not good either. Go ahead, Michelle. You made me think of something else you just said about being present. Um, I, so I learned this again, you learn as you go. This I just learned a couple weeks ago. And it was this TED talk. I was listening to this guy who was, it was about depression. Mm-hmm. And basically he was talking about people who were in that, the bottom of the pit of feeling hopeless. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about um, this organization and he wasn't a part of it, but what the organization did was they would take, they were teenagers who were severely depressed and they took them to this plot and had them, it was they taught them to garden, right? Because mm. when you're in this bottom state of hopelessness, it's because you think every that nothing works. There's right, nothing right. that works. So they would teach them, okay, so we're going to plant a seed and then you're going to come back every day and you're going to, you know, row and rake and do all that stuff and then watch it sprout and watch it grow because you're sh- training their mind to see how you do little things mm. and it's not hopeless that things do grow out of it, right? Difference. And so he said, and so your teeth, you, and, and so the whole talk was about being present because what you're showing them is you have to be like physically doing something and be present in the moment and concentrate on that. Helped them pull these kids pull out of depression. And so I started thinking what you were saying about with my parents is that, and I'm sure maybe you got through it. I was a workaholic, still I am really, but I was a workaholic too. And again, my mother, we came from that family, that old school stuff of you got together every Sunday for dinner, right? And then all that kind of stuff. And then when the kids got older and it was like, you know, mom, we don't have to celebrate every birthday together. We don't have to do everything to get, you know, that kind of stuff. And she didn't get that. And after I listened to that TED talk, what I learned was that there's a lot, I'm, there was a lot, I'm not present And Mm -hmm. I think it's because as women, like we're trained to be human givers and be multitaskers. Mm -hmm. So we're really not trained, especially if you're successful, right? They don't say like you, you don't get to hone in on just one thing. You're more successful if you could do 10 things at one time. We never, yes. And we never learn to just sit still and just be present in something, Right. right? And so then, so going back, circle it with going back to my mom, I thought about that and I thought, would it be would have been that hard to maybe every other Sunday is to just spend a Sunday evening with her and let her do you know like soul food we have Sunday dinner that was her thing that was and just that was her been here a couple times well, go ahead hello right <laughs> and so but so going back to what did what did what did the whole grief thing teach me it was it was just that it was that like from this point forward I'm doing stuff where I'm really training myself and teaching myself to be very, very present in the moment of things. And um, because there's just certain things you don't, you don't take for granted. And it could be just, it's sometimes, of course, it's it's like little things. Like I, across the street from where I live, there's this, they have like this man-made lake and it has ducks. And sometimes I'll, when I walk in the morning and I, you know, I, I talk to her, or I talk to my parents and I, or I do a prayer or whatever. Now it, it's part of a project I'm doing, but I'll sit there and I'll take individual pictures of the ducks because 
this class that I'm doing, they teach you, okay, so now describe the duck. What did it look like? What was it doing? How is it different? And it's just really, it's just to train your brain, to like tune everything else out and just focus on that. It's not really about the ducks, but you get what I'm saying. So that you're training yourself, like when you're present with your friends, be present, listen to what they're saying. Or if I'm, if I'm present at work, then I'm present at work. I'm not trying to do 60 million things at the same time. And it, for me, that was like, it was like a whole new chapter on how to really release that stress. Right. Because seriously, like when you just, you just really like honor what's important to you and just hone in on stuff and just be really, really present with people and present with things. It's like, it's just like a whole new perspective. And and, and you're right. I think what we have to learn to be selfish, selfish, mm-hmm. selfish with each yourself. Because we, like you said, as women, we, I mean, we're the givers and the nurturers and we hold everything together and that's just how it is. And you just, ooh. They train us to be human givers. Yep. And and yes, there's positives and negatives to that, but there's also that, but, but what they don't teach you is how to make sure that you are okay and that you take care of yourself. And that if you want to stop and take a nap, then stop and take a nap. If you take want to nap. Put, your up, put your feet up. And I think with COVID, that force of that, ah, guess what? You can't do nothing. You're not going out. I mean, you know, go get something to eat or whatever, you know, pick it up, don't pick it up, deliver, whatever. But it really just made, it really made folks think. And I really think grief or not, it made you feel realize what's important to you. Yep. What is really important to you? And, and, and who was really important, important to you? You know, who are really your friends? You know, uh, some people like me and you, we don't have to talk every day for you to, for me to call you and be like, girl, we got to, we need to go over here and beat somebody up. Not that we are like that because, you know, I'm not trying to break a nail, but um, I I don't have to talk to you every day to know you got my back. You don't have to talk. Exactly. You know, and you know who you can call on no matter what. And you have certain friends for certain things, but what do you do for yourself? You know, is, is that like shopping like I did last Friday, a couple of days ago, I went to Burlington camp and went to Burlington for one, one item and $200 later. Yeah, but it was stuff I wanted. And, you know, sometimes I will punish myself and be like, no, no. And I'd be like, okay, Corliss, no more holding back. on. If I really want this pair of pants, damn it, buy the pair of pants. That's why I work every day. Exactly. If I really want this blouse. And, you know, and nothing I spent was over $20. So that means that just makes Burlington just wrong. Burlington is the devil. <laughs> and so is TJ Maxx, Ross, and Marshall. Marshalls. Yep. But, but, you know, I remember having to just figure out I needed to penny pinch or whatever. And it was like, no, Corliss, you work every day so that if you want to buy this pin, buy the damn pin. If you want to go shopping, if you want to go to a concert. Like I was, I, <laughs> I had, I've had an eventful couple of weekends. I, you know, it's really interesting because one of the things is when you let people know something's wrong or something's bothering you or they help with something, you won't believe how many people responded to my Facebook post three weeks ago when I said, I'm sitting here in city of hope. I need a change of scenery. I'm not getting on a plane. Give me some ideas where I can drive. Of course, the Vegas, the Santa Barbara, blah, 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 blah. But after that, I got one sorority sister who's like, hey, Corliss, I've got tickets to the Riverside Blues and Jazz Festival. Do you want them? 
Yeah, I went on last Sunday. Hey, I won the tickets to the Gardena one um, because I went to a birthday party. Uh, we celebrated my sorority sisters that I um, that I went through the process with. They all, we also call them Sands, my line sisters. And because I was there and the guy said, if you have a, a, a valid uh, vaccination card, I'm going to give you two tickets. I reached in my purse. I was like, hand me my tickets. And I went. And even though people, I know people are scared to go outside and play. I get that. But I wear my mask every day, all the time anyway. But nobody was like, on, like you were with your group. And if that was your group, like sat next to my sister, that was the closest person next to me. And then everybody just, and we were just right there in the little circle, you in your own chair and nobody was all breathing on top of you. Oh my God, that was great. And I had been, I had been fumbling thinking, I really wanted to go to this concert. And I kept saying, no, no. And I was like, Corliss, stop. You want to go buy the damn ticket. So I bought them on thir- on, um, on on Labor Day. Girl, I went to go see Morris Day and the Time. Shut up. <laughs> on Saturday at the Greek. Oh, my God. Morris Day and the Time. SOS band. Y'all boroughs and people. Uh, 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 um, um, what you call it? It, it, was, the, it was just a, a serious old school situation. And it was that brought that brought back memories. So um, can I? Can, can, okay, so I'm, we're gonna go off track just for a tiny bit. But back at, back in the day, back in the day, uh-huh. uh, Corliss and I like we used to Uh-oh. we lived together. Like we used to invite people over all the time, and <laughs> we would have that's what we would do. We would have part. Remember, we would we would serve them margaritas, <laughs> and we would sit there and we. <laughs> We would play. What would that? What was that? Was it MTV or whatever video? Whatever thing? was out in '86. Yes, because you know we didn't have we didn't have all the gadget stuff people had back then. But Cloris and I had I had just gotten a credit card and I bought a TV and a VCR, and so people used to come over, like we don't watch everything at their house, and we would just, we would sit there and just party until midnight, <laughs> three o'clock in the morning sometime. But yeah, yeah. drive some chicken wings and yeah. stuff. We had people on the couch on the floor. We were just watching a movie. Yeah. And those were the good old days. days. People came together as a people. Yes. Relaxed and loved on one another. And, you know, as we close, boy, this show went by fast. Got three minutes. As we close, and I think about when, um, I don't know if you heard last week, another friend of mine who went to high school with me said, hey, ride with me down to Harris. There's a Harris Hotel and Casino in the San Diego uh, yes. County. And we're driving and we're just like going back and forth. And I'm just like, where the hell is this place? And all of a sudden it's humongous. I was there all of 24 hours, Michelle. She picked me up last Tuesday morning. We came back last Wednesday morning and changed clothes, got to the pool. I sat in this lounge chair and I, my whole body just sucked, just, just fell into the chair. It was like something just pulled me. And I said, they said, you don't get in the pool. I said, no, I'm going to be right here. I will join y'all in a minute. And I just sat there. And looked at the palm trees, looked at the sky, watched the people walking by. Like, I haven't had a chance to do that in a long time, let alone, you know, COVID. And it was the most relaxing. Relaxing thing. And I just sat there. And then they came back and checked on me. I said, I'm fine. I just, I just throw my finger up. I'm good. And I just sat there and I just marinated, (laughs) marinated in the essence of not doing anything for anybody. And being present. And being present with myself. And sometimes, y'all, I know somebody is hearing this. Y'all, we have got to take the time to take the time 
to care about ourselves and really just sit somewhere, sit outside on the front lawn and just watch people walk by. Go to the mall and sit in the middle of the mall in one of those bitches and just watch people. Cause it's just, it takes your mind off of so much. It does. Going to a concert, like I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go. And it was so much fun because like, you know, when you go somewhere and everybody knows the songs because everybody grew up in that era, you know, it was the best. And so what, I, what I'd like to say to everyone, first of all, thank you, Michelle, because this has been a great topic. And I know we have touched some souls because I've already gotten four text messages that I need to read. I just read the first line because it comes up on your phone saying, thank you. Thank you. And I want to say it is okay to grieve as long as you want, whichever stage. I went to grief counseling and I never thought, I've never been to a group grief counseling where we're all dealing with it. And what they ended up doing was they took each of the stages and we talked through them. Mm -hmm. You know, what makes you angry about losing your father? What makes you angry? You know, you know, I was in denial and it took my whole body just to shut down and just damn near wanting to scream. And I was like, oh, oh, what is going on? And I didn't know. And I and it just it, it was I had denial and taking care of everybody else. And and for six months, and then that bad boy slapped me in my face, and I was like, oh, okay. So I'm saying to you that are listening, it is okay, honey. It is okay. Utilize your feelings, but don't get so stuck within yourself that you're keeping yourself in your house locked up because that's not good either. Go right. outside, see the sunshine. Take a walk. I, that's what I did. I started walking and I was just like, oh, I didn't know this was on Crenshaw Boulevard. Oh, look at all the people. And it was just so nice to just look around, take a walk and really take the time to take care of yourself. Michelle, thank you so much for um, helping me come up with this topic um, because I know that a lot of people are going through a lot right now. And Mindful Mondays is here for you to really talk about things that nobody likes to talk about, grief mindfulness, self-care, self-love. Yep. Uh, we're going to continue with wonderful topics like this, uh, uh, stories of resilience like we had last week with the, my brother from Ohio who came out here. I mean, that's that's why I created this show so that people can know that, yes, a Corliss can have a therapist you know it is okay to have mental to talk about mental health it is okay to love yourself so thank you so much and i, I just want to put a shout out to tomorrow's show y'all <laughs> y'all too <laughs> <laughs> i wanna i wanna wait till wednesday until yeah, so wednesday when and so colette and i could finally say what we really want to say right. y'all tune in tomorrow to um to colette's show uh, her and kenny's show tomorrow at five o'clock here on on the intentional talk radio because i know colette's gonna have a few choice you can still say it tomorrow honey it don't matter <laughs> so colette's gonna have a few choice words you know usda grade a beef choice words <laughs> well, and if not, y'all holler at us on Wednesday before our guest that's going to talk about a business, is, you know, turn your hustle to a business. But she's going to have, I just, y'all just stay tuned. And please thank go you. vote if you're in California. Please. Thank please you. Please go vote. All right. Vote. Thank you guys. Mindful Monday and we out. Peace.